Welcome into KRDO News Radio C Extra. I'm your host, Andrew Rogers, and it is December here in Southern Colorado. Obviously, time to talk with the Adaman Club. Joining me here in the studio today, we have Dan Stewart, the president of the club, the club historian, Don Sanborn, as well as Chris Mattingly, this year's new member, the added man to the Adaman. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. And Dan, let's start off with uh, just some of the basics as far as uh, who the Adaman Club is and what you guys do. Good morning, Andrew. The Adamant Club's been around now for 100 years, as you know. We uh, started in 1922 with a group of five uh, probably crazy guys who decided that uh, Mm -hmm. climbing Pikes Peak and setting off fireworks was a good idea. It was really a promotion for Colorado Springs and and for the Gazette at the time. The the Gazette sponsored the climb, and, and the guys climbed and for 100 years now, we've been doing the same thing, just adding one member each year. Absolutely. So how many crazy members are we at now who to think that, you know, New Year's Eve is the right time to climb Pikes Peak? We added our 104th member this year. Uh, Chris Mattingly is with us this morning. And, and uh, of those members, we have about 40, 42 still living. Okay. And of course, it is that annual climb that everyone knows about. But what are some other things that uh, go on with the Adaman Club that people may not be as familiar with? Well, of course, we we climb every year. We set off fireworks. This year, we're actually um, emphasizing a tradition that's been around for many, many years, but the community's kind of lost sight of it. And that's flashing mirrors. Uh, Every year on the second day of the climb at about 10 or 10.30 in the morning, we reach Timberline uh, near the A-frame on Pikes Peak, for those who know Bar Trail. And the club carries signal mirrors, and we signal back down to Colorado Springs to let them know everybody's uh, there, everybody's safe, and we, uh, the community signals back with mirrors. And that tradition's kind of been lost over the years, but we'd like to bring it back for this 100th year. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, you mentioned that the club adds a member each year. So, Dan, how did you first get involved with the Adaman Club? You know, the members of the club are generally people who love the mountains, who who are good trail companions. Uh, I was asked by one of the members of the club if I'd like to climb. And so I applied and got sponsored by that member. Uh, That was 30 plus years ago. So I've been doing it now. This will be my 31st climb. Perfect. And, you know, we mentioned this is the 100th anniversary of the Adaman Club. Uh, A lot going on as well for the 100th anniversary. And let's talk about some of those uh, special events and really ways that the the community is honoring this very uniquely Southern Colorado tradition. It's been a really busy year for the club. It's been a lot of fun. We've actually created a book that honors the first 100 years. That book was just released, so it's brand new. Uh, it's available in local bookstores. It's called Adaman, 100 Years of Ice, Wind, and Fire. Uh, we also have been working on Adaman Alley, which uh, most people will have noticed if they've been downtown. It's on Tejon. Uh, actually runs between Nevada and Tejon, just south of Pikes Peak, in an alley that was uh, really dilapidated. And we have restored the alley. We've had a wonderful partnership with the downtown partnership and the business owners around the alley, uh, the building owners there too, had wonderful sponsors for this project. We've added artwork and murals and, and some really fun uh, LED screen and a projection mapping on one of the murals. It's 
it's really an amazing place. It's going to be a fun spot for downtown. Yeah, definitely a way to kind of keep the Adaman Club and a little bit more of uh, the public view. Obviously, we're very aware come midnight on New Year's Eve, but uh, really those things like the Adaman Alley, other projects will be able to make it more of a year-round remembrance and uh, being able to celebrate all that this rich history has had here in Southern Colorado. It's certainly been a fun part of, of Colorado Springs history, and, and this just is a nice way to, to honor that tradition and honor the, the members. There, beyond the 100 or so members, there have been 400 or more people who have climbed with the club as guests mm-hmm. over the years, and it's really been a, uh, an interesting, amazing slice, really, of Colorado Springs history of all the people that have climbed with us. Absolutely. And usually, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, obviously, but you have to, you know, kind of come as a guest and climb with the club before you actually become a fully installed member, right? That's right. I climbed 10 years before I became a member. And, and uh, I know Don and Chris uh, have their own uh, stories about their their road to membership. But yes, it takes a long time because it's only one member a year. Yeah, and you know, we're obviously celebrating the 100th anniversary this year, but that also leads to that question of, you know, come January 2nd, you guys will be making your way off the mountain. Fireworks have already settled. So what does the next 100 years have in store for the Adaman Club? The the club certainly has been changing over the years. It took them 60 years, I should say, took us 60 years to uh, admit our first woman uh, as a guest member, and, and and then she became a member about 10 years later. Uh, so we now have women in the club. Uh, we've been working on uh, kind of diversity outreach to, to be more of an inclusive reflection of what the community looks like, and, and so... I think the club over the next hundred years will continue to uh, thrive. We're, we're not going to vary from that one member a year. Uh, but the, the benefit of doing that is that we uh, involve younger people all the time and mm-hmm. the club stays vital and, and uh, enjoys a, a great tradition that the community celebrates. Absolutely. I was going to, you know, ask you that, obviously, you know, as the years go on, getting that, you know, younger membership, getting younger people involved, knowing that we're such a transient community. How is that as far as, you know, getting that outreach and continuing to expand kind of the, uh, the net, as you will, for people who would want to join such a club with rich history? It's, it's a good question because we, we have worked on our outreach in recent years to uh, kind of reach out to the mountain clubs, to the uh, outdoor uh, outfitting stores in town and, and kind of advertise in a sense. It's something that we've really never done before. It was typically that you, if you knew a club member, then they might sponsor you. If you went for a hike with somebody who knew somebody, then you might uh, know how to get into the club. But we now have a website that uh, people can go to and, and uh, get an application in during the fall when we're going through that process. And so we've had a record number of applications each of the last several years. Absolutely. And then again, you know, efforts like the Adaman Alley that you'd mentioned too will kind of help continue to bring the, you know, the club into just the, you know, consciousness of Colorado Springs and really help with that outreach and get hopefully some more interest continuing on down the years. Well, sure. And the, <clears throat> the club really is about fun. I mean, we, we get up there, we, it's, camaraderie on the mountain 
and it's uh, celebrating the traditions of the club, but it's really celebrating Colorado Springs, too. Absolutely. And, you know, it is a, a couple days that obviously are, you know, the big peak season, you know, pun intended for the Adamant Club. But what else does uh, the club do throughout the year, you know, not just surrounding the annual New Year's Eve Clive? Well, we do uh, several things that we we started over the last 20 or 30 years. We do a tree planting uh, every year in the spring uh, up in the burn areas of uh, nearby in the foothills. Uh, we do a peak cleanup uh, every year or two, and, and we work on Bar Trail every year. So the club does get together periodically. In years past, we used to get together once a year and climb the peak, and that was it. But in the last few decades, we've really uh, tried to take care of, of our mountain. Absolutely. Well, this morning we're talking with the Adamant Club celebrating the 100 years of this very unique tradition here in Southern Colorado. We're going to continue this conversation still ahead on the Extra right here on KRDO News Radio. Welcome back to The Extra here on KRDO News Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Rogers, talking with the Adaman Club this morning. We have the club's historian, Don Sanborn, joining us now. You know, Don, we spend a lot of time, you know, on the base of Pikes Peak every June, but uh, it's really not a surprise when you'd mentioned, you know, your involvement with the club, things like that. I would ask your story, but I'm pretty sure you were probably just like born on the side of Pikes Peak. <laughs> mid-climb and uh, kind of got grandfathered in that way, right? Yeah, I was raised by marmots on the side of Pikes Peak. Well, that makes yeah, a lot of went sense. went to Manitou Springs High School. It's kind of hard to get to school in the winter when everybody was, was uh, hibernating, but... Uh. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, all jokes aside, obviously, you know, you've been a part of the club for a long time right now. How did you come to uh, get into the Adaman Club? Well, my my grandfather was a member. He He was the last member to actually be... Uh, basically told he was going to be a member. He, <laughs> he, didn't, uh, he didn't climb as a guest. He just, they just came to him. Harry Stanley came to him and said, we want you to be a member. But uh, that was 1940, and then he was president of the club in the 40s. And, and really, it, was, it wasn't on my radar because I grew up in Cascade where we couldn't see mm-hmm. Pikes Peak, so we couldn't, didn't really see the fireworks, or, and I didn't really know too much about it. I kind of just uh, sort of knew that there was this group that went up the peak, but in the in the mid '90s, my wife and I had came back from climbing in Switzerland, and we're showing doing a family, a family a presentation. And uh, my grandfather, after seeing it, he was he was 95 years old. He said, he said you should be an Adaman. And so then he promptly went to the next Adaman meeting and and uh, asked asked him to to invite me to climb. <laughs> and the rest was history, as they yeah. say. And, you know, obviously, you know, this being the 100th anniversary of the club, there's been a lot of, you know, looking back as far as the history. You guys have put together a fantastic book, The Adaman 100 Years of Ice, Wind, and Fire. And let's talk a little bit about the history and how it went from that group of five crazy guys to now a group of dozens of crazy individuals <laughs> still climbing Pikes Peak in the middle of winter here in Colorado Springs. Yeah, of course it was. I mean, you know, the 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 fact that they the, they set up this add one member a year, you know, that at least kind of kept the comp, the club growing. I guess uh, you could say um, there were times in the past where there were very few very few climbers. They had a little trouble putting on the climb, but um, um, again, used uh, using guests and stuff that that uh, was helpful. And then, of course, gear was so. So, so heavy and, and difficult to work with back in the day, in the old days, that uh, uh, at, at some point they started carrying 
hauling their sleeping bags and, and some of their warm stuff, their food and all up to bar camp on horseback. And, uh, and then of course, nowadays though, it's, it's so much easier. Our, our equipment's so much lighter and, uh, and, uh, effective, let's say. But, um, yeah, a couple things that might be of interest mm-hmm. to you, of course, uh, Joe Rohrer, who started K, uh, KRDO, he, uh, he, he kind of cut his teeth on, on tra- doing radio transmissions with the Adamant Club. So he, he uh, in 1930, he climbed with the club and, uh, and broadcast, uh, the, did a broadcast from the summit on a homemade radio that he'd built. So he's the one who I can blame that we are able to broadcast from the side of Pikes Peak right. <laughs> yeah, this right, summer right, when yeah. me and you were up there for probably, what, 12, 16 hours. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he, uh, he of course, continued to, to play around with the technology of radio at the time and uh, um, I think went from, from doing a broadcast at the summit where the equipment had to be a little bit heavy to coming up with something a lighter that they could carry, and I, when I say lighter, it's probably thirty or forty pounds, you know. Yeah. But uh, um, they uh, they they then worked out with the Air Force to fly airplanes over the top of the mountain on the hour, so that they could do a broadcast up. They they would transmit up to the airplane, and then it would relay down to the radio stations. And so for a number of years, the club actually uh, transmitted to over a hundred radio stations across the country really during their climb it's fascinating just you know kind of how that technology has changed you mentioned you know the climbing gear itself changing dramatically over the past hundred years what are some of the other big changes and I know you're gonna try and you know say well we add a member so let's put that yeah. aside <laughs> I, I know where you're going with that but what other big changes have there been over the century of climbs for the Adaman club well of course of course the uh, um, the, the, the radio technology, of course, gave way to cell phone technology. Mm-hmm. For a lot of years, we, cl- we would call down to the, to the station and, and do, do uh, reports on the hour. Then I think um, at some point, things got kind of automated. There wasn't anybody we could call to do that. So we started then, then uh, of course, now phones now with Facebook and, and uh, uh, data communication, we're able to take pictures and post as we go up the mountain. So we can keep... And we also carry GPS unit with us so people can can go to our website and uh, go look at the GPS unit and see exactly where we are on the mountain. Absolutely. And then, of course, we, you know, have that picture and I'll, you know, be transparent as somebody who's never climbed Pikes Peak at this point of just thinking what it must be like to climb at the end of the year in the winter. (laughs) But, you know, when you talk about what is it like actually making that climb and how has weather kind of varied year to year? Because obviously that's got to be one of the biggest challenges. It's really easy and warm. <laughs> <laughs> no, All right. Well, then I guess I will <laughs> maybe come up with you next year. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an unusual th- event in that we have to climb on a specific date. Mm-hmm. So most mountain climbing, you wait until the weather's going to be good. So you look for a good weather window to maximize your success. But in the case of our, our this endeavor, we, uh, we go on the specific date, what, no matter what the weather is. And has there ever been a time where the club hasn't made it to the top due to weather? I wish you hadn't brought that up. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I wish you'd answer the question. (laughs) 
That was, yeah, we turned around once, and that was the first year I was president of the club. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and hence why we have Dan as the president now. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, a, yeah, that's right. Not no finished on yeah, it. Yeah. I know what. I thought they would get rid of me the next year. They actually kept me around for a while. It, it was strategic then, wasn't <laughs> it? Was strategic, it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, you guys have been putting together this fantastic book about the history. What are some other, you know, big takeaways from really looking back over the past hundred years as far as where this club has come from and where it's uh, at right now? I think, um, I mean, for, in my mind, there are kind of two things that are that are that are kind of uh, enlightening. Let's say from our research and the the work on the book, and the first one was the way the club started. Because we originally had stories that the that the group just kind of on almost on a whim went up the peak and uh, found fire, found flares on the on the uh, cog tracks as they went up and and built a bonfire on the summit, broke into the summit house and and all this stuff and and those things may have happened because Fred and Ed and Fred Morath actually climbed on New Year's a couple years before they started the the Adamant Club. But the fact that the the group was actually the first, what we consider the first climb of the Frozen Five, was was uh, sponsored by the Gazette Telegraph. They wrote about it for several months ahead of time. People were sending letters from across the country about it uh, after after they'd heard what the plan was. That was all a, a revelation for us uh, when we kind of did research on on how the club started. And then and then the second thing is just. What, how large of a, an endeavor or expedition it was at, in, the, in the years, like in the 50s, when they had, they had to organize the pack horses to take the gear to bar camp. And they had to have, uh, and, they, and they were organizing the Air Force to fly over. And, the, and they were getting uh, soldiers from Fort Carson to come along and carry, carry the radio gear. And so it was, uh, it, it was really a major endeavor. Uh, I'd say uh, in today's Today's world, with our with our gear and our technology, uh, it's it's become actually way way simpler. It's just you know mainly just the climbing group going up the mountain, and uh, and we're able to to do everything else with the. The, the technology and gear that we've got. Absolutely. Again, it is a tradition really unlike any others. We're going to take a quick break. We have a check of local and national headlines still ahead, and then we'll introduce you to this year's new member of the Adamant Club right here on KRDO News Radio. Welcome back to KRDO News Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Rogers. We're talking with members of the Adamant Club as we're obviously getting ready for their annual trek up Pikes Peak. And of course, the Club is the Add a Man Club, where every year they add a new member. Joining us now is Chris Mattingly, this year's new member. Chris, first off, how did you get hooked up with this group as a guest and even thought, you know, I'll add my name to this storied list of climbers? Well, I, I met one of the members uh, who was climbing, or I guess he started out as a guest climbing with the club uh, several about a decade ago, and so he was uh, Bill Slaughter, and he was a great friend and a great co-worker, and uh, he, he was talking about this club. And I go, well, that's nice. Uh, but I was climbing 14ers and busy doing other mountaineering projects around the world. And, and uh, so eventually I, I said, well, what is it? He started talking about it together and tells me what they do. And it was intriguing to me that you would just, you just go on the 30th and 31st. I mean, mm-hmm. one date... You can't really do that with too many mountains. This one you can. 
and uh, and it's the risk is still there, but it's not uh, necessarily all that bad because we do it every year, right? And uh, but you have to be prepared, and so it t- puts a different perspective on. When you go out for a hike around here, oh, it's too windy today, it's too cold today, it's too icy, whatever. But when you're in the club and you've got to go do that mountain on the 31st, 30th, you want to go and you want to do it. So training is something that we do all year round, and, and especially in the wintertime, we tra- do our training. Man, what does that training look like knowing that you can't just say, yeah, it's probably going to be a little too cold that day or a little too windy, knowing that uh, come the 30th, you guys are heading up the mountain no matter what. Well, we're facing that question right now in, in, the, in our training process. And so, like, for example, I, I will uh, wear all my gear that I'm going to wear on the mountain. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of testing of my gear to make sure that it's still sound and, and works well for me and it's lightweight and uh, warm. And sometimes I have to change out my gear because, like, for example, if my hands got too cold one year, I'll, I'll uh, change out gloves and I'll work on them. So... There's a lot of things that go on in the training process and of gear checkout and also fitness level is making sure you're fit. Yeah. How did you first get into mountaineering? As you mentioned, you know, you've been involved with a number of climbs of number of 14ers as well. So how did you even kind of get involved in that overall hobby? Well, I was stationed in Japan and uh, Japan has Mount Fuji, which isn't all that big of a mountain. But everybody in Japan has to climb it once in their lifetime. And I thought, well, I'm living here in Japan for an assignment. I think I'll, I'll go climb it. So that's what I did. I didn't really train for it or anything. I just went out and, and climbed it with a bunch of uh, Marines. No, uh, of course, they're all very much stronger than I am because I was this Air Force guy. But, uh, <laughs> but I still made it to the top, and I enjoyed it very much. Okay. And uh, so that's how I started. And then that sort of perpetuated into uh, more climbing. Uh, I was still uh, being assigned all over the world um, at that time and still in the military. And then I retired and we settled here because my parents were uh, here. And then I, I, uh, one day my wife said, honey, I love you, but you've really got to get out of the house. Uh, You've got to go do stuff. Uh, Go to get a job, do something. So that's where I ran into uh, Bill and, uh, and the rest is history. I started climbing 14ers, and I finished them, and then my appetite got larger for the seven summits, so I've been trying to work on them. Yeah, and what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you still hear from a lot of people who might think a 14er is not that hard of a climb or something that just really anyone can just do over a weekend? Well, I happen to teach uh, how to do that. Uh, Unfortunately, I have a lot of people come to me from outside of the state and they think they can climb a 14er just by being here and, and doing it. And the elevation gain and the gear uh, really play its toll on, on people. And, you know, when it comes to Pikes Peak as well, what are some of the specific challenges when it comes to that kind of climb versus some of the other 14ers, especially here in Colorado? Well, there really isn't too much of a difference. Uh, although all I would say that this mountain is a class two. Uh, in in technicality, uh, there are mountains that are class four that are fourteeners, but this is a class two, so it's it's walkable. It's uh, you, you don't require a, a great um, lengthy training period to do it, but you do need to be in good shape and healthy. Okay, and you know when you decided to start climbing with the Adaman Club, what was your family's response to? Well, we 
we know Chris likes to climb. We know he's, you know, active in this. But, again, this is in December, into January. What was kind of that first response of doing this climb and uh, going on that membership journey? Well, I would say that, uh, well, my my wife, uh, Lori, and uh, my kids, I have four four sons. Um, They've supported me in everything I've ever done. Okay. Uh, and I don't do the crazy things like I used to do, like jumping out of airplanes and flying across the country in a single engine airplane, but I, I do this. And so that's exciting. And they know I'm safety conscious and not going to do anything crazy like Don. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what message do you have for anyone listening who might want to get into climbing or eventually, you know, get that guest spot and go on a journey to join the Adaman Club in the future? Well, the club is built on the premise of people, everyone's a mountaineer to some degree. So uh, the first thing I would say is that uh, they need to try, if they're interested, they need to try climbing some 14ers, get, some, get in pretty good shape. It's a very healthy uh, environment so, uh, to do that. And, and, uh, and the next step would be, uh, of course, we live right here in, in the, this beautiful mountain right here in front of us. And so we want to climb that one. Uh, that was my first 14er uh, here. So really? I would say that it's a lot of a lot of work and but it's a lot of a lot of payback too. Absolutely. Well, Chris, we appreciate you joining us here on KRDO News Radio. Again, we're talking with the Adaman Club gearing up for the annual climb. We'll wrap things up and just still ahead right here on KRDO News Radio. Welcome back to KRDO News Radio. It's the extra. I'm Andrew Rogers. We're talking with the Adaman Club you're uh, gearing up for the annual climb. Dan Stewart, president of the club, joining me once again. Dan, you know, we've talked a lot about the history, obviously the 100th anniversary coming up. And let's just kind of remind people of some of the ways that they can get involved and celebrate such a rich tradition we have here in the Pikes Peak region. Well, we certainly want people to turn out New Year's Eve and watch the fireworks. That's the best way they can participate in what we do. I mentioned earlier that uh, people can come out on the 31st as well in the morning and look up at the peak. If it's a relatively clear day, we'll be flashing mirrors down to the city, and we hope that everybody will come outside with a mirror and flash those mirrors back at us. It's a real uh, spirit lifter to see the community turn out and support what we're doing, and it's a fun tradition. Absolutely. And of course, the book, Adaman, 100 Years of Ice, Wind, and Fire, it really just scratched the surface as far as some of these historic stories uh, in the book. How can people find the book and really see not only the slice of history for the Adaman Club, but really chronicling, you know, the Pikes Peak region's history over the past 100 years? They can certainly find the book in local bookstores. Poor Richards has that book. Tattered Cover will have the book. And the Manitou Springs Heritage Center also has the book available and, and several other bookstores in town, I believe. So uh, we encourage people to go take a look at it and, and pick up a copy. Absolutely. And we also mentioned Adaman Alley recently installed downtown. And let's kind of remind people about that project because I think that's going to be a great way as far as that outreach and making more people who may be new to the area, kind of that transient nature Colorado Springs still has as far as uh, this really unique uh, tradition going on. I can't tell you how fun a project Adamant Alley has been. We've met on that for probably the last two, two and a half years. 
and really assembled a, a wonderful team. It was a dream team of, of people involved in downtown who were excited about history, excited about uh, the club, and uh, we've just created a spot that people can come and, and see at all times of year, but uh, at, at night it will have some uh, fun projection uh, mapping, it's called, but it's a projector that will uh, shine on one of the murals and actually change uh, the mural in, in some really uh, intriguing ways. Uh, it's got a, a screen there that will uh, have some LED fireworks going on and, and some amazing artists have contributed to uh, really making that a very, very special place for downtown. Absolutely, and it's been an ongoing project with the club, obviously, the downtown partnership, the business community as well, really to kind of part of that downtown development, really making it more of a pedestrian-friendly area and really trying to make it more of a community-centered area as well. And I should mention that the city of Colorado Springs has been a, a huge partner in that effort. They had this alley on their list of uh, places that needed to be re- repaired. Uh, the utilities in the alley were more than 100 years old, and so this was kind of the impetus to get them to um, move this to the front of the list and, and get it done, and it's really now a showplace for uh, what other alleys can be like downtown, and Downtown Partnership's very excited about seeing other alleys restored as well. Absolutely. Again, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the past hundred years. We touched earlier on what you were looking for as far as the next hundred years. But if people, again, you know, as we were talking about with Chris, just want to get involved in the outdoors in general, what kind of suggestions do you have for people who might be looking at New Year's Eve as a way to maybe start those New Year's resolutions to get outside, get more involved and uh, maybe end up on that journey that it's up as extreme as you guys who decide, you know, New Year's Eve is the best time to climb a 14er. <laughs> Well, you know, this is Colorado Springs. People get outside. That's that's what we do. And and I think as we looked into the history of the club, we started realizing that what we, uh, especially what the world has been through in the last two or three years with the pandemic, uh, that we bring a little message of hope. Uh, we bring perseverance in the face of adversity. Uh, that's kind of the spirit of the club, but it's also the spirit of Colorado Springs and, and Colorado as a as a state, so we we kind of celebrate that spirit. Uh, we uh, have an introduction in the book that was written by former Governor Dick Lamb before he died. Uh, he climbed with the club a couple of times in the 1970s. Uh, Colorado Springs Mayor Harry Hoth climbed with the club in the 1960s. Uh, we've got uh, the current mayor of Manitou Springs, who's been a member of the club for the last 40 years, and and he's still climbing with the club. So it's been a community. Uh, tradition in a lot of ways for a long time. Absolutely. And Dan, if people want to get more information about the club itself, uh, again, we all know the two nights of the year where you guys are more famous than pretty much anyone else here (laughs) in the Pikes Peak region, but uh, all the other things going on or ways to maybe get on that guest list and uh, maybe start climbing with the club, what's the best way to get that information? Really, the best way is to check out the website. And Don Sanborn maintains that website. He, He has a real job, but he spends more time on the club, I think, than anyone else. He, um, the, the website, adaman.org, just look up Adaman and you'll find the website. And it's got information about the application process, got information about the history and all the members. Uh, so it's a great way to learn about the club. Absolutely. Again, the 
book as well, celebrating the 100th anniversary. Adam and 100 Years of Ice, Wind, and Fire available at local bookstores as well. The website as well, fantastic resource. And really, Dan, Don, Chris, we want to thank you all for joining us here on Cardio News Radio. And uh, good luck for a safe climb this New Year's Eve. Thanks so much. It's our pleasure to be with you.